Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Tara, and we are going to talk about Chernobyl. Episode 5 is the finale of the miniseries. It is called Vignia Pamiat, and I probably butchered that pronunciation. Very so. well done, I think. Yeah. Uh, I just I thought I'll go in confident and it'll, you know, I feel like if I sound confident enough, anyone who does, isn't sure how it's pronounced will assume I got it right. <laughs> and those of those of you who know will crucify me in the comments. That's okay. I accept it. Uh, so finally, episode. Glad it was me. <laughs> I'm sure you'll mess up something later. Do we have to talk about Rod Sterling again? We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> so episode five and we you know, have a longer episode here and we have mostly the, the courtroom. It's the trial of Diatlov and the uh, the plant managers and that, that's what bulk of the episode is. There's some lead in before that. Because um, I, I actually got really surprised towards the end of the episode where I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're almost done. There's like a minute left and or or whatever, you know, like before the all the... You know, at the end of true stories, you always get the screen saying, and this is what happened to so-and-so, right? There's actually quite a lot of those, so right. it was more than a minute. But, like, yeah, I was like, oh, wait, we're actually just ending here at the end of the trial. There's, there's nothing after it. Uh, which, right. But not that it need to be. Uh, that's not a criticism. It's just that I was like, oh, shit, that was actually most of the episode. There was, like, a good 40-plus minutes, maybe 50 minutes of this episode was this, this Right, well, so scene. much of it is flashback, too. So yeah. it's... It, and it's so engaging the entire time that you just lose track of the time. Oh yeah, it flew in. It absolutely flew in. And here's here's something I want to comment. The the biggest is a, a commendation of both this episode, but this the season as a the series as a whole even, is that they could have done this differently. They could have started episode one with a lot of what these flashbacks were. They could have had episode right. one be the build up to the explosion. They could have totally done that, and it was genius not to, because as we watch it in this episode. We've we've had all the all the aftermath. We've had we've, we saw all the people in the plant. You know the night of after the explosion. We've seen uh, Legazov explain this multiple times. We've seen him you know go through all these stages of all the disasters that could have happened again after the fact of all the things. You know the meltdown, the explosion, everything they've had to do, right. the containment. This episode, we get to see the build up to it happening as he explains it in the clearest possible way. And the effect that has on us as the viewer is that most of us are not nuclear physicists. Most of us don't know how this works. We may have a vague right. idea after the first four episodes, but he explains this so well. His blue and red cards that he pulls out to So helpful. Yeah. It <laughs> makes so much sense. Because at one point... Brilliant it's like, move. Yeah. Because at one point it's like all blue cards and it's like... Well, everything's cool then. But why was wrong? And it's like, no. But here's what happens because it's so cool. And then he starts like yeah. exchanging them. And then before you know it, there's five red cards. And it's like, holy shit, right. five red cards. This is disaster. And even though like the the cards, like I can't read them because oh, yeah. they're not in English. But you still, you still get it. You know, <laughs> it's just explained so well. Yeah. And you're right. They could have opened up the first episode with the explosion and what we see the chain of events that happen and. It probably still would have been a great series, but it's just, it's, it's not, it feels like I'm so invested at this point and I want to know because I've been along for this mystery for four episodes now trying to figure out what happened and now I get to see it. It's like a, it's a huge payoff and not just that we get to see the people that we met in the first episode 
in the beginning of this episode before yeah. the event. It get, it get, yeah, it gives it like a bookend kind of feel to it because we get to see characters that we've not really yeah. seen since the first episode, maybe the second. Uh, you know, in, in case of the fireman, obviously uh, the third one we saw about him. But right, and the people that were on the bridge, we saw them like mm-hmm. the one, the couple with the baby. We see them at the beginning of this, and we see them living their lives, and it, it's, it's so much more tragic now. Where in the beginning we would be like, okay, so this was their life before. The yeah. big catastrophe the, the, happened. There'd be a but bit... now this is like, oh, this is what their lives were before, and now it's like a war zone there. Yeah, there'd be a little bit of foreboding if they started that way, but it's really effective to start episode five with this. This essentially uh, this flashback to twelve hours before the explosion, and we see because we got a glimpse glimpse of uh, Ignatenko holding the baby before. We saw a glimpse of that earlier on in the show, but uh, a lot of this is it's new. We're seeing the, you know the the, the swimming this because the swimming pool is quite a famous landmark in terms of like seeing how the radiation and what Chernobyl looks like now and what Pripyat looks like now. Um, mm-hmm. But so we see all these different things, and then we end this opening montage with this this scene of uh, the managers in Dyatlov talking about this this test that they need to do and how it's overdue and they're supposed to have done it already and they're, they're, and it's like well we need to do this and they make this choice to be like well let's just do it tonight then if we have to wait till after midnight if we've been told by the power grid we're not allowed to do it till then then we'll just do it i'll go home and get some sleep and we'll come back and to us at this at this point in this scene we don't necessarily understand why this is necessarily a bad idea right why this is even the wrong decision but the beauty of this is that later on in the episode when we get legas of in the, the you know in the trial explaining why this was a terrible mistake i mean there's actually two reasons why because uh, uh ilana explains the other one before yeah she's well she says she's the one who talks about the error that all the people made and then legaslev is the one who who talks about the the error that was happening inside the plant yeah she, cause, itself because she talks about the um the fact that there's a shift change at midnight and all the people working post midnight weren't prepared for a test many of them had never done a test the one who was actually a oper- specific test yeah. yes and the one the, you know, the young guy who's operating uh, the, the the main you know the temperature control he he's only been working there four months he's 25 he's nervous because was like, one of the flashbacks with the other guys like well, I need to do that for the first time tonight, and like the Atlov's going to be like looking over my shoulder, like seriously, like you know, he's scared. He's scared of doing this. Yeah. And the other and guy. And we get to see the Atlov as a boss, and he is a horrible manager. Oh yeah, he like, is he's terrible. The one that you really don't want to work for. Yeah, and he. <laughs> it's just so hard not to jump ahead, but I, I want to try and keep to keep all this stuff more or less in order in terms of the the the, the, <laughs> the trial. Um, because because Boris opens up with a bit of a speech. Um uh kind of explaining basically he basically does the, the the overview that he's already learned from from legazov he just kind of, he gets a little model out and he's talking about what happened that night and then ilana goes up to talk about the human errors we talked about and how it was, you know the people involved weren't the, the, the right people to be doing this job um mm-hmm. they also bring up the fact that these tests that were supposed to be happening were all supposed to be completed before the plant was actually operational. It was supposed to be something, you know, these managers had signed these documents saying, no, we're ready to go, and they hadn't done it. They were they were trying to sneak in these tests while the plant was operational, years after it had been operated on. And they even point out that they've done this test multiple times. So this is like the fourth time they've tried. Uh, and I, I like that bit of dialogue, actually. It's like, oh, and the fourth yeah. time they tried was April 26th. <laughs> it was right. like, shit. <laughs> all right, so really effective in, in that build. Um, but it's once uh, Legazov goes up there and he starts talking about 
why the 10 hour delay was a problem. Uh, mainly the, the the idea being that they'd actually already lowered the temperature to about half of what it's supposed to be and it stayed there for 10 hours, meaning that Xenon was building up that entire time, which normally you, you, know, you would lower it down and it'd be almost time to go straight into the test, presumably. Whereas it was spent 10 hours at this level letting this extra byproduct kind of build up. And yeah, they refer to it as a poison, right? A poison, yeah, that the core's being poisoned. And yeah. like, it's the sort of thing where I'd have to watch the scene a few times to really like re regurgitate everything he says, but it's so effective with these cards. The way he says, okay, so this affects the steam, which then affects this, but we've also got the water, but we've got the rods. And, we've got... and he, he does it so well that in the scene itself, you're never confused. You always understand exactly what he's saying and how one thing's affecting the other. Um, to, to the point where I'm like, the yeah. writer of this show should probably maybe get a career in explaining like science to dummies because I feel like he's really <laughs> good at it. He did a good job with this. Oh, I yeah. HBO needs to lock him down. Like well, whatever, whatever he's got planned next. Like just give him all the money. Apparently, <laughs> he's already working on another true story miniseries for HBO. Oh really? Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so in. <laughs> yeah uh is, is it wrong that i'm hoping it's a disaster of some kind because i feel like uh, i basically want chernobyl too but obviously there was no Chern Fukushima. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that one's too similar maybe i don't know something else <laughs> chemical plant or something i don't know um but like no really effective so i i think we want to talk about the flashbacks we want to talk about the, the i want to talk about the flashbacks then we'll talk about the, the the actual drama on the trial itself with uh with Legazov making his choice to whether or not he's going to go through with saying the truth. Because that's one of the interesting things is that uh, the, the thing in Vienna that we heard about last episode was has already happened at the start of this. He's already went right, there and I lied. I was expecting that to be this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, uh, he meets the KGB uh, dude and, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you'll do this. You're getting, you're getting the highest accommodation of the Soviet people. You know, I've not even got this. You're going to get this. Um, and Ilana comes to see him and tries to say no the truth needs to come out and he's like I've already given my life I'm dying we see him pulling his hair out literally it's just falling out yeah um, and it's no it's not enough uh, you have to do this so yeah let's talk about let's talk about some really frustrating elements in the flashbacks um, if you didn't hate the Atlov already from, from everything post explosion oh baby you hate his guts in this and it kind of goes back to what they said last episode where it is human error to a point, but there was supposed to be a failsafe where, yeah. you know, and Dyatlov knew that, where he he believed that he could just flip a switch and stop anything bad happening, even though the conditions they made were, like, you know, it's one of these things where he relied so much on the failsafe where, to, because I'm someone who's like, be safe and sorry, you know, like, take a few precautions, like, you know, play it a little bit safe, especially when you're working with a nuclear reactor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's also a brilliant move with the way this was structured because there was a moment in, I think it was the last episode where uh, Ulana is uh, talking to Dyatlov. Mm. Was that the last one? And I kind of felt a little sorry for him because, mm. you know, she's trying to get his story, trying to get the truth. And he's just like, the truth doesn't matter. I'm no matter what I say, it's going to be all put on me. And, there was a moment where I was just like, oh, he's right. You know, he's going to take a bullet for this, whether or not the truth is out. So I, I kind of felt a little bit bad for him. But then watching it, 
in this episode, uh, how, the events that take place that lead up to it. I'm like, now oh, that's gone. Yeah, I, I don't feel bad for him at all. He like, yeah, you know, assuming this is accurate, he is an awful human being, and every step of the way like it's one thing when he comes in and he throws like the guide at someone uh you know because at one point the the guy who's doing the, the doing the test is looking at the manual mm-hmm. and there's those like, steps look scored out and he says to the other guy like what about the ones scored out in red are we doing them or not and then it's like if you phone someone presumably the atlov he's like okay now we do all the all the steps it's like well, why are they scored out then who knows yeah like you know just and it's, can... yeah it's because they've never done this test before like clearly that's part of the day crew or whatever that mm-hmm. have done it in the past and they've eliminated those steps for a reason or there's no communication like nobody knows what's going on yeah no, no one does know it and it's, it's when once one person says i don't think we're ready for this can we can we review like what we're doing before we do it uh he throws the book or the binder at him and says review yeah. it yeah because he we know that from the opening scene is that he, this needs to get done tonight mm. because they're talking about promotions. Um, as long as they can get this test done, they figure out what's wrong, like why the test hasn't worked in the past. Then if the outlaw can successfully do the test, then he's almost guaranteed a promotion out of it. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's being so pushy and it has to be done before yeah. um, the end of the night. <laughs> For a society, you know, for, for for a state rather that's so concerned with like capitalism and the idea of greed, it's kind of amazing how much greed's still in there. Just maybe not in the same ways, but like everything that happens yeah. this night is people determined to advance themselves. It is out of the selfish, you know, preservation, yeah. and that's what leads to. And because I think I think the scene where I got like angry at the outlaw in this is when. The other guy turns around and says, "This is now dropping below the the the, the, the safety like because you know, we're I think they're supposed to put it down at like seven hundred and it starts dropping below that." And he turns mm-hmm. around and says, "We have to shut it down. This is not which safe. is a twenty four hour shutdown process." They say, yeah. and he can't he do, he doesn't have that time. Yeah, and he 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 even says, you know, he's like, there's too much xenon in there now. So we know he's right because because legazov has just been explained to us what's in there we know that word it's a you know it's a keyword for us and it it makes you go immediately he's right he's actually thinking of what what legazov's just been explaining someone in that room yeah. actually was aware of what might be happening right now and wanted yeah. to stop it and i actually at that point i was like this guy was almost a goddamn hero this guy almost stopped all this um, now, admittedly, at this point, it might have been too cool, and the problem that happened with the cooling rods might still have happened. I'm, I'm not sure if that was, or if, if we were past the point of no return at that point. Um, but regardless, uh, his I thinking don't know, was still right. More, he still moves more cards around before the explosion happens. So yeah. maybe not. <laughs> he moves more cards around. There's still time. There's still time <laughs> to save it, damn it. Um, was it all blue or all red? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's so effective because it, like, and this is where I go back to what the point I was making at the start is that everything that happens now in the build-up to this explosion means much more to us than it would have on day one. And we understand it in a way that we wouldn't have on day one. And even right before we start seeing it, Legazov explains the problem. And we even hear him explaining it over the footage of the scenes where he's talking about the counter going up and down and what that means. He's talking about all these things. So every single time something happens in these flashbacks, we understand exactly what's going on. And if they'd done this in episode one, 
we it'd all be a mystery still. And then we get to this episode, and maybe we'd have to repeat scenes again to to show us, which would be kind of frustrating in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, or we wouldn't be able to flashback at all. It would all just be in the, the the trial, which would make the trial itself maybe less exciting, maybe maybe less interesting. Right. Um, but so. every time they flash back and they show like that that number counter mm-hmm. for. Uh, I don't know if it's the the amount of energy or output or heat or something inside the, of it that's measuring. It's the megahertz that's going down. Okay, and but every time they they show that number counter, like I am focused on it. I am mm. like even though I don't, I shouldn't know what I'm looking at. I'm so invested in <laughs> seeing that number go up and down and where it's at while they're explaining it. Like it's so. It's just so well done. And then the other part <laughs> that I think is really effective is that so much of this is watching it go down lower than it should. Which right. is why when it starts going the other direction very quickly, it has yeah. impact. Because it's like, right. wait a minute, this is skyrocketing very... You know, it was, it was going up in the hundreds and then the thousands like really quickly as if it was just ticking, you know, immediately from like 500 to 1500. And it was like, yeah. wait a minute. Um and then obviously he puts it in perspective where he's like, yes, this was supposed to operate at 3,000 and it ended up at least at 33,000. We we, it probably went past that, but you know, that's the, the last that's reading where it stopped. Yeah, yeah. we could get. Um, so no, like all that stuff is really exciting. And of course, you've got the at love at one point, like shouts out, I wasn't in the room and he did that. And, you know, Legazov tries to fight him on it and he gets like sort of told off for it. He's like, oh, you're not a prosecutor, shut, shut up. But then the other guy's like, Yes, we well, have like, we, we have statements from like twelve people who were there in that room. Well, not twelve, it wasn't twelve people, but you know, whoever many people yeah. in the room, everyone in the room said you were there. And yeah. said to give her and that was the other thing, is like uh after the other guy tries to like tell him to turn it off, uh he, he gives him like a direct order and he threatens his job, he threatens, you know, you'll never work again in this industry, mm-hmm. I'll make sure of it. He asks him to like note down his command. He wants a record that he's been told to do this. Right. And obviously, the elf just hits it out of his hand. He's, he's not having none of it, but like right. he he like he clearly understands the weight of what's happening right now, and the, the risk of what's happening right now, and he's terrified. And yeah. Dyatlov is so just blasé about it. And he's probably used to Dyatlov like mm. blaming things on everyone else, and so he's like, "No, if you're going to do this, you're going to take responsibility for it." And Dyatlov says, "No," and even in the freaking trial. He's still not taking any responsibility, even though we know that he's already admitted he knows he's going down for this. He's still fighting. He's a fighter. fighter which actually which actually leads to one of my favorite moments in the episode. One of my subtle favorite moments is mm-hmm. when uh, Legazov does eventually start talking about the rods and the flaw in the rods, when he does actually make the choice to do this. Uh, because as Ilana puts it... Uh, it's not to convince the the court itself; it's to convince the all the scientific community who are at this hearing. Right, because uh, all the other people in charge of the other plants in the Soviet Union are there too, or yeah. at least some of them. Yeah, are there too. So if other scientists hear it, then that should be enough for people to to know that there is something wrong. There's a fatal flaw in yeah. all of the reactors. So when he's, I'll get into the details of that. But when he actually starts talking about that, and he makes it very clear that there is a flaw, there's a reaction shot from the Atlov. It's where it's, it's the reaction shot that tells you that he actually believed it was his fault until this moment like it yeah. he was never going to admit it he was never going to say that it was his fault he was going to blame it on everyone else but him but there's a moment here where you can see the the shock and relief on his face that he isn't completely to blame yeah 
I loved it. Yeah, you're right. It was such a great piece of acting. Yeah, it was it was glorious. Um, so that was a great moment, and it's because I I feel no sympathy for him. Like I, I don't feel like happy that he got a, like not a get out of jail free card. I mean, because he's still he's still getting blamed for it, <laughs> but. But you know, he's probably still slightly tormented by the idea that this has happened on his watch, and he I'm sure he doesn't know why it happened, but it happened, mm. and it happened because of the decisions that he made, even though he's not accepting it, like you kind of have to figure that would probably torment a person, oh sure, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and to know that there's some kind of an answer that at least. Like, yeah, he made every wrong decision. And if anybody else was in charge, it probably wouldn't have blown up that night. But it, there was a flaw. Yeah. No, it was a fantastic moment. Fantastic moment. Um, and but before we get to, like, the why, uh, of course we have the fantastic build of events as all this is happening to the actual explosion, uh, okay. which obviously we don't see in the first episode. We see it in the distance from the window. Um but here we actually do get to see the full thing. We get, and one of the best parts of this is because uh, they mention a couple of details here that are really was really shocking to me as well. That no one else in the plan, outside of the people in the control room, seemed to actually be told that there was a test going on. You know, the person, yeah. the, the, the rods, the person in the, uh, the 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 water pump room, all these people did not know there was a test going on. So, so they start seeing weird things happening, and they don't even know why. And um, one one of the shots before the explosion. Is that all the, the the rods are starting to like bounce up and down, and it's a really effective thing because you know we we have not really seen this yet, this room before to a great extent. So he look, this guy looks over the balcony of the the walkway, and all these rods that all weigh, I think it was three hundred and fifty kilograms each, something like that, yeah, all start bouncing up and down like something yeah. bad's about to happen. And you know, he's, I mean, you can't even imagine what could cause that if you're just there and suddenly they're all bouncing up and down, right? Like, oh yeah. It's ter- terrifying is that i've been seeing this since episode one it's a horror movie um oh and yeah the music that was playing throughout this and throughout the explosion was was horror movie music it really was and um it's so unsettling yeah it, the, the music the score never lets you relax never no it's just phenomenal i uh, this stuff was just exceptionally done and it like it's partly why I was excited for this last episode being mostly in, in the trial or the or what I thought was going to be the Vienna hearing is this idea of like having the flashbacks to the, to the night of just it's such an exciting explanation of the events and it is and it kind of rounds off the show in a way where it says okay part of the important thing here is to understand why it happened and how we can't let it happen again how do we stop this from happening again and what were the reasons that caused it beyond just the science what was the human error involved um and you know I, I think actually it wasn't until this last episode where i really got kind of the 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 overall message being here of like the hubris and the the not you know ignoring the scientists ignoring the facts and trying to have a convenient lie so that you don't there's a great line later on from uh, legazov when he's talking to the kgb guy after he's been like detained um you know why worry about something when it's not going to happen and that i mean as soon as he said that money as soon as he said that, I just thought of climate change. That is the first thing that popped in my head yeah, with that me too. line. Yeah. I couldn't not think about it. And I don't know if necessarily the show is, is made specifically to like make you think of that, but I think it applies well, I think to we it. We live in a time now where the truth is somehow in danger. Mm. And it's been going on for a long time with climate change, but now we're really seeing the effects of it. And, you know, our generation and the next generation are going to be the ones that deal with it. 
and the people who are who are in charge and living, you know, these great lives beforehand <laughs> are going to, you know, are the ones that we can blame for it. But they're the ones that are trying to hide the truth, you know, and we just we just live in a time where truth is whatever people want it to be, it seems. How many comments do you think we're going to get now about climate change not being real? Whatever. <laughs> How many? <laughs> this is why you listen to scientists. Because there's another great line in the hearing where he says, uh, like, I can't remember how it started, but it was basically uh, all these lies, eventually we have to pay the debt. Sooner or later we have to pay the debt for all these lies. And that's what Chernobyl yeah. was. Um, and I think the inconvenience of it and you know thinking about it, humanity is kind of guilty of this where lots of lessons have been learned you'll, you'll never hear someone argue when they say i don't know don't like don't play with fire next to like gasoline right but i guarantee you it took someone getting set on fire for someone to actually believe that it was a real danger before they started like telling people that you know like i believe that the disaster has to happen before humans will actually start, like, on mass. Like, everyone will agree that they actually have to take the safety precaution. Um, sure. And, yeah. I think that's been proven time and time again. And Chernobyl's maybe the biggest example in history of, of that. Well, because it also came from a government that was trying to keep this perfect image of its utopia. And hmm. because, you know, that kind of government created the outlaw. Because it was a government that that says we don't accept the truth if it's inconvenient. So you have to give us a truth that we like in order to accept it. And what kind of leaders do you build from that world, from that system? Yeah, you build people who just lie over and over again. You don't get the truth. And that's exactly why it comes back around to like, no, the the state is at fault. The state, yeah, the the Atlov is terrible. He's an awful person, and he is largely to blame for what he happened that night. He's a product of that system, though. But yeah, the system created him, and the system not only created him but created the fault itself. You know, because as he puts it, it was cheaper. It was cheaper to have graphite as the tips of the rods, and because again, I, I said this before we started recording, but. The one thing that really stuck out to me in his little speech, because 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 he said because he explains this, okay, the, the rods were graphite and that was a, basically a detonator. It basically triggered this this explosion, and he's asked why, and he says, well, for the same reasons that we don't have as good casing as the West, and it was the the, the way he said the West. I'm like, he's actually pointing out that he the West. He kind of says it under his breath too, like it was. Yeah. You know, not like the West. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, those are better, you see. Um, but you know, he he says that he says the same reason we have this, the same reason we have that because it's cheaper and yeah. there's just this like stark realization with that line and um obviously he starts you know that's when the you know the, the judge is like hey if you're suggesting the state is at fault here you're on thin ice sunny jim uh you no know, he said you're on dangerous ground and he's yeah. like we're all on dangerous ground we're in Chernobyl right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah because those great shots as they're driving in past all the, the the vehicle graveyard of all the vehicles that were used in the cleanup yeah which they've not taken out because they're all you know at least slightly radioactive <laughs> yeah yeah just keep them there yeah just keep them there uh and you know like such a great moment it's a great speech like you know as great as the atlov is here because he is great uh for those reactions and like he's such a great bad guy and uh scarsgar we'll talk about in a minute because he's got a couple of great scenes as well um yeah. but jared harris is like basically oh, his show. he's commanding this like there's a good like 30 minute chunk where it's just him basically talking 
and he holds it. He holds it the entire time. He gives it this gravitas. Yeah. There's, there's a moment where he drops one of the cards, and it's just this awkward pause because he's nervous, and it just, right. it just, it stings in your There's soul. Also, a really great uh, choice for the for camera for the camera when he was walking up to the podium to speak, mm. where it does that thing where it's it's a fixed camera on him, and then the background around him is moving. You, it's not fixed in the background. Do you want a technical term? Sure, I don't know it. <laughs> I've got two for you. I've got the more common one, which is chess cam, where it's like attached to the actor, and that's how right. you get that effect. Uh, although I think the more technical term is actually the snorry cam. Um, but yeah, so that's it, it. causes a bit of emotion sickness when you're watching it, which it, make, gives you like this uneasy feeling in your stomach, and you're like you're nervous for him all of a sudden. The most common time it's used is when a character is like tripping acid, and they'll use it for that. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll use it for it's they're really tense and paranoid um a similar effect here where it just it makes you feel like you're with him and the room is shaking and it, it gives yeah. you that kind of feel um because uh, actually did you see uh, upgrade last year the the yeah. uh oh god what's his name uh some green it, people always say looks, in a wheelchair right yeah, yeah. He, people always say yeah. it looks like tom hardy and he kind of does um he was in a fantastic tv show called quarry which i absolutely recommend beyond my wildest dreams uh phenomenal uh <laughs> but up, upgrade <laughs> <laughs> upgrade is um a decent action movie a decent sci-fi action movie i'm sure we'll do it in the ace at some point which is a sci-fi movie podcast the atomic cinema experiment it's atomic oh, see? yeah that's really good yeah it's on it's on point we're on topic uh, but the reason why i'm bringing it up is because that that, that 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 movie did this really weird thing which i thought was super impressive where it did that effect to the chess cam but it did it in like wide shots where he was like far away from the camera and it, but it had that effect, and I was, and I actually, I was genuinely baffled as to how they achieved it. Um, but it was really good. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but it was really good. I don't know what that would even look like. Um, well, the, the whole idea is, is that he gets this chip, and this like AI takes control of his body. So he like gets control of his body again, but he's doing it essentially through a computer interface. So it's the idea that his body's kind of separate from him. So it gives it this kind of robotic look the way he's walking. And it's, it's really it's really neat his body language plus the camera work made it give it this really cool feel it's probably the best thing about the movie actually is how they shot like how different he moves and uh that was a bit of a tangent but it was just because we're talking about uh, chess cam um, yeah i thought it was just a, a really brilliant choice because it made me feel sick almost because the mm. it has a motion sickness effect to it and all of a sudden i know exactly how like like asav is feeling when he's approaching the podium and it you know it follows up with him dropping the card and you're like okay he seems he's really nervous yeah because yeah, it's, it's the yeah. long walk it's the long walk up to the podium this that's that this is it this is where he has to make the decision of whether or not he's going to tell the truth another subtle detail i really liked is that the audio from them is a little bit harsh because they've got these really like sort of like you know old school 80s microphones like picking up their audio and I loved yeah, it at one point. Yeah, it's a bit echoey too. Yeah, they kept like he kept going off mic when he was going over to his board, and I loved it as a as a shot of like someone running up and moving another mic in, and I just I liked that yeah. little detail. It just it felt natural that okay, shit, we didn't think of this. Someone put a mic there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that. Uh, yeah, I noticed the echoey. I think when Skarsgård was speaking, you can mm. hear like the echo in the background. So you're like, it's just this big open room. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of feedback occasionally as well, just a little bit to give yeah. it that that kind of amateur it, feel. It felt it felt real, yeah. Uh, it just so, added to the atmosphere. So there's, there's actually a pause, though, in uh, Legazov's testimony at one point uh, where uh, Boris has been coughing a little bit and he starts coughing really violently and the, the, the court has a recess 
And there's this great scene where Boris is with uh, Legazov outside, and he's sitting with him, and he's basically saying that he's got maybe a year to live. And we actually find out at the end, he actually lasted a little bit longer than that. He lasted till 1990. But he's coughing right. up blood. And he's basically, he's reaching that point where he's talking about, like, you know, was my life worth something? You know, I was just this company man. Did I achieve anything? Did I do anything? And we get this phenomenal response from Legazov where he says, you know, like, yeah, like, I was, like, doing all the science, but you were more important. You got everything done. Like, you're a company man, which meant you knew how to ask for things. It meant you, everything I needed, you know, lunar rovers, you know, all the men, all, all the equipment, everything I needed, you got me. You were more important than I was. And regardless of what you think, you know, th- like they wanted to send a company man and they just mistakenly sent the one good man. And it was just, it was I like, I almost uh. started tearing up as he, as he was saying this because it was what like, a great line. Cause, I know. Because I think Boris actually has a great uh, journey throughout the show, from episode two to episode five. Because at first he's kind of a dickhead. He's kind of this. this he's is, in episode one because I rewatched it. You're, and I, you're I think right, I told yeah. you this before. He's on the phone and he brings up the phone conversation in this scene. Like, do you remember when I called you? And he was just a businessman. Like, they told me that this I was in charge and there was nothing to worry about. So when you were like talking to me about all these things we should worry about, I was like, just get it done. Yeah, and because he even says that that you know he 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 believed them because they said he was in charge because he got a promotion he got an important job he felt like he'd achieved what he was supposed to, uh, which kind of ties yeah. into what Dietlov was trying to do with the promotion. Um, this episode's so good. It's, this episode is <laughs> the so, good. so good. And it's, it's a it's just, it's a great like the the idea that they mistakenly sent the one good man. I love that line. It may be my favorite line of the whole episode. And there's a lot of good lines of dialogue oh, it's in beautiful. this. It's a beautiful line. Um, it's a great it's a great moment and it and i, I think you know the, the the true end to uh boris's journey for me is, is a little bit later but even by this point he's become to accept uh, like as of in what he says and he's, he's you know because last episode we really we, we pointed out how they used the word propaganda and he got angry and it's, it's like he's yeah. really learned over this you know this ordeal uh the problems within the system and the system that he's been a part of his whole life but it's, it's later on it's, it's basically you know they're calling an end to the hearing you know we'll come back and we'll do the verdict and that later but like we're done your testimony is over and Legazov's like no no I'm not finished but he's like oh it doesn't matter we've heard everything we need to hear and he's, it's before he's gotten to the rods it's before he's, he's talked he's, he's talked about it's the, before he's gotten to the part where it's the flaw of the Soviet yeah. Union yeah, yeah of their design and Boris, everyone's everyone's standing up, like you know, it's, it's that it's that noise, you know, when, when the clash ring bells and everyone starts talking to each other, right? It's that sort of noise. Everyone's getting up, they're ready to leave, and Boris just yells out, "Let him finish!" And yeah, I, it I, really like stood out to me that he had that kind of authority to do that. Like, I, I guess so. Like, he still has that sort of respect and authority. Where in a courtroom. He's after they bang the gavel and say courts adjourned. He stands up and says, "No, we're not done," and everyone listens to him. This, this is this is the moment where, like, you, you've told me many a time that you cry all the time to things, right? You cry at commercials, yeah. you cry at time. I think it's emotional. Right. I like. I, I need to go into all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel the hits a lot, but I don't necessarily get that teary eyed or uh, or cry. I didn't, I didn't cry in this episode. I. I like I very really actually have tears going down my face, but I we do... haven't talked about the moment where I cried, but I definitely we'll, cried. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but the moment I really got teary was here because the moments that tend to get me teary tend to be more uplifting. It tends to be happier 
like emotions yeah. to get me teary-eyed and not that this is a great situation but boris basically being like standing up for him and being a hero gets me more than the sad stuff more than the sad and the tragedy of what's happening it's someone actually pulling through and being the good person that that hits me harder and yeah like, i was ready to fist pump like at this moment i i, I was like yes boris you go you go my son <laughs> you beautiful bastard this is if if this was a superhero story this is this is him choosing to be a hero this is at the end of his origin story yeah and it's beautiful I mean, you really buy that they have a real friendship and apparently they did um we see it later at the end of the episode they show a picture of the real guys yeah and they're like laughing together in the picture yeah there's a you know to, to use a word or a, a similar word uh there's a camaraderie comrade comrade <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this last episode, but they actually they had someone who was around in the Soviet Union, like check the the script, and they they thought like because they they actually like you know uh, the the writer amazing he he held back on the, comrades, the comrades because he thought it was yeah. comical and like like a stereotype, and the person who read it went no, there's not enough comrades. Everyone was saying comrade, put in more comrades. Everybody called each other that, yeah. <laughs> um, so no, this moment's fantastic, and then of course he goes on and explains the fault. And gets to the speech about how it's cheaper and all that stuff, and yeah, yeah tries to hold them accountable. It's just a beautiful. Uh, anyway, and we mentioned the. I think we got to some of the explosion, but I actually seen it. It looked good, like you know, like, it did. Because it, it looked where the money was. Yeah. It, it looked great in the first episode when we saw that the aftermath of the smoke. You know that that's that scene at the end when looking over into it, and it's like it feels apocalyptic. Feels like yeah. the world's ending. Uh, but the explosion here does actually look very, very good. Um, it's a great moment. It's a great money shop. So, yeah. Well, there's like there's two explosions. There's the one that happens inside the reactor that blows the lid, mm-hmm. and then after the oxygen goes in, there's a second major explosion that goes straight up and causes the air to ionize, where you get that blue streak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's they're both like just extraordinarily done. And with the explosion, the second one, the big one, they you know show all the graphite that you've been seeing in slow motion kind of fall everywhere around the building you're like oh oh makes sense now nope so good so good um so yeah so kgb rush him off (laughs) basically because he's (laughs) he said some things i'm not happy about and you know he tries to like and again the the whole idea the 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 carrot on the stick as it were uh, in this show for the for the soviets has very much mm-hmm. been promotion and your stance the respect you get as being someone who's who's served the state and the idea that what they're going to take away from him is they're going to kill him because they're just going to discredit him they're going to make him lose his job lose his they're going to stance. humiliate him yeah they're doing the thing that this the state wants the least or anybody in who who loves the soviet union would want the least humiliation yeah um, you're never going to see Boris again. You're never going to see Lana again. You're you're never going to do any of this stuff, and mm-hmm. you're going to just live out whatever's left of your life alone and, and miserable kind of thing. Um, and it's 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 funny because I feel like in his own way, like obviously he was very brave to like stand up and say everything he said anyway. But I think in his own way, even though he's clearly scared in this scene, I think uh, Legazov is very much kind of like he's made peace with whatever's happening next like yeah it's still scary but he's not 
like trying to beg for his life. He's not doing any of that. And you know, because because the, the the line that I said earlier, you know, why worry about something that's not going to happen? You know, he says that after like like Azov says, um, "What if I refuse any of this or resist any of this?" Uh, that's when he says it, and mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't of course resist any of it seemingly. Outside of, of course, leaving the tapes and the memoir and, like, you know, everything else. I mean, of course, we hear the final line. Uh, what was the cost of lies at the at the end of the episode as he drives off? Uh, but there's a great moment, of course, where he's looking over and he sees uh, Boris and Alana uh, watching from, from afar. Um, but it's like, no, I have to be a martyr here. And he's already been a martyr. He's already dying. <laughs> like, he's already... <laughs> given up yeah most of what he's he, left of his life he explains it to a lot of, like he's he said i've i voluntarily went to an open reactor like i've already taken a bullet for this and then she says it's not enough you know yeah so he knows he's he's his time is up so what what does he have to lose at this point and it's also it, it is i think the point of that scene with the kgb is that he's not only going to humiliate him by making him not not be able to do what he does for the rest for whatever time he has left but it's also establishing that they're going to stop the message at the trial yeah that that his message isn't going to get out like he may feel like he's at peace but no one's going to hear it yeah because well i think that's all part of the choice is that he chose to he he wanted to actually live and respect himself for doing the right thing rather than doing the right thing for the state. He he you know he and his final choice here was basically that he wanted to be able to live with himself, uh, which I think he can do even if the message doesn't get out. But I think yeah. what Alana was saying is that yeah, of course the KGB are going to cover this up. That's why the rest of the scientists have to hear it because they're the ones yeah. that can then gradually push for change because they, they'll understand right. it and because they'll want to change if they, it. If they if they admit that there's a flaw or if she. He says that after the trial, that's when they're going to fix the other reactors. And Alana's like, no, they're not. Because if they fix it, then it's acknowledging that there's a problem in the first place, which means they lied about it. So that's never going to happen. Hmm. Unless you tell the truth. Yeah, and he does. And the episode, um, you know, obviously we hear, the, we hear the final bit of his memoir again as he's as he's driving off. And that's the end of the episode. We, we, we then... We then go to a very long series of images with text of the real people, real footage of the people as well. Some of it's footage, some of it's images. It kind of depends on what it is. Um, and you know, obviously, it starts with uh, Legazov uh, saying that he took his own life, age fifty-one, April twenty-six, nineteen eighty-eight, uh, exactly two years after the explosion. Which uh, I don't know if they made that clear in the first episode because I I went, oh, okay, he he was very specific with that time. He 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 was sending a statement with with the time of his death. Yeah. I think they did. Um, uh, it's hard for me to know exactly because I also listened to the podcast mm. and they went into a lot more detail about that. That's also how I knew. Because uh, I, I, I remember you were surprised that um, Ignatenko, the, the female, was was pregnant. Yes. And you were surprised when she said that at the end of episode three. And I said, no, they said that in episode one, but I don't think they did because I rewatched it. Mm. And I think maybe I knew she was pregnant because the opening scene of her is that she's throwing up in the middle of the night and then she doesn't yeah. seem sick or anything. I'm like, oh, she must be pregnant. <laughs> 
But yeah, so I, I think some of the details I may have gotten from the podcast, but I remember them saying specifically it was two years to the date yeah. in the first episode. And it actually acknowledges uh, that uh, Ilana was created to represent the, the rest of the scientific community. And it shows real footage of all these scientists. I, I kind of like that, that they're very open about it and say, hey, no, yeah. she she was here to represent all these people. And we, we get like some photos and some footage of uh, all these all these various, uh, I was going to say characters, but I should say real people. <laughs> scientists, yeah. yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah, is, I, I actually, I'm looking at it right now just so I get all these details right. Um, and Boris died in 1990, uh, four years and four months after after uh, the explosion. Yeah, so he lived, you know, a few years longer than expected. Yeah, yeah. Especially when we see him coughing up blood at the trial. <laughs> yeah, I will say actually, out of all the cast they got, uh, the plant manager is probably the one that looks the most like the real person. He's got very similar hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think Dyatlov kind of looks like him. I don't know. Well, maybe a little bit, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little bit. mustache. Yeah. <laughs> and Dyatlov died in 1995. Way too late. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was... No, not holding back there. Uh, I mean, this show wants me to think of him as a villain, and I do. Yeah, and I should mention that uh, Valerie uh, Kudenchik... Uh, his body was never recovered, and he's apparently entombed under Reactor 4. I will say, I don't remember who that is. I have to imagine it was the person either in the pump room, um, or maybe the... Yeah, cause, uh, yeah, that makes the most sense to me, just, just based on where he is in the building when the explosion happened. Okay. That makes sense to me. There's, obviously, there's a lot of foreign names here, so it's, it's kind of hard to keep track of, especially since some of these characters... Uh, if they were in the early episodes, I wouldn't know their name unless they continued on later. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually funny because I remember bringing up in like episode two that the, the firemen's outfits were all under the, the hospital still and they're very radioactive. And then sure enough, they show that here. They even have a little counter out showing that they're still up at, uh, what's that, 64? <laughs> Which, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and there's a slight happy ending there because uh, Inatenko... She's told that she's never going to have a child again. She'd never be able to do it, but she actually did. You know, mm -hmm. it, has this, it does this thing. That's where when it, I started crying. It pauses and says <laughs> they were wrong, and she's she's got a son now. Uh, yeah, the, the, this is the part where I started crying. Yeah, that's nice. Um, and it goes into the minors. It, it does this nice thing where it recaps all the various things we've had throughout the show, and it it goes through the minors. Says at least a hundred of them are confirmed to have died before they were forty. Um, it says all three of the divers survived. Uh, two of them are still alive today, which is actually really good news. Like I, I did not, I would not have expected that based on what, yeah. what, what we were told. Um, yeah. Plus the way they filmed it, like you just assume that they weren't going to make it. Yeah, yeah, and then they were they, focusing so much on all the water that was radioactive, but I guess the water acted as some kind of shield. Yep, the cancer spikes, the people who were like in the containment zone helping clean it up. There's no official record of you know how much how much of them died or what their what their fate was. Uh, and then the final thing that it does, uh, which is really the, the the final point that it wants to make, is that you know they, it's, it's hard to actually pinpoint what the exact you know casualties were for Chernobyl because like you know is every cancer related you know and and that certain radius is it related to chernobyl is it was it just cancer that was going to happen anyway you know various other factors but estimates range from as little as four thousand all the way up to ninety three thousand. 
And that the official figure that the Soviets had for the casualties of Chernobyl, which has just stood the test of time because no one's changing it, is 31. Unbelievable. 31. 31 people. I ha- I still have a lot of questions about all this. And they, they also kind of established that uh, Gorbachev says that this Chernobyl is one of the main reasons that led to the fall of the Soviet Union because it was so expensive mm. and so costly and, and uh, more than just money. But I also, I, I couldn't help but think when I was watching the miniseries, all the times that they promised people like rubles mm. and they kept sending in more and more people and if all those people ever got paid or their families got paid or something. And I, I know the cost is more than just um, giving rubles to people, but I, I don't know. Like I still have so many questions about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a photo of Chernobyl from 2017 because they built a new containment. They finally finished this yeah. big containment uh, dome over it. Um, no, it's... It's terrifying. I actually, I feel like I've learned so much. I, I saw, I saw a meme going around earlier, uh, a photo from the first Spider-Man movie, uh, where William Dafoe says, "You know, I'm something of a scientist myself." Uh, and the joke being that that's how you feel after you've watched Chernobyl. Uh, I don't know if I quite go that far, but it did make me laugh because I certainly feel like I'm, I am. I feel like I was. I would always have been scared of radiation, but I feel like after this, I really, I'm really scared of it. Like I understand. That. Yeah. After episode one, I was like, "Whoa! I have a new fear I didn't know existed before." Mm, yes, <laughs> that's the the scene in the first episode with the guy who holds the door open and then starts bleeding through yes. his clothes. Oh, that was pretty remarkable. Like that was the first moment I was like, "Oh my god, this show is not playing." <laughs> yeah, no, this this show has been so good. Uh, each episode has done a really good job of being a defined thing on its own, where they've had like a new crisis or a new part of the story at each episode, so they've all felt like good whole chapters. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the overall thing feels like a five-hour movie. It feels like a, it, does. it feels like a really highly produced, um, great acting, great effects when they're needed, uh, great tone and atmosphere throughout. Music's on top form. In fact, the track that's playing over all the uh, the slides at the end uh, is very good, very haunting. Mm. Um, I yeah I I agree this this is probably the best five hours of television I've ever seen to be honest I I I was so invested from the first episode and I it's just like a a masterpiece of acting of writing of directing and I I don't mind when movies and shows take uh, like dramatic license to tell something that is based on a true story. But this one is so like, although they do that in order to tell a better story, I, I, there's so much details in it that are correct that I really feel like I'm getting yeah. a lot out of it, a lot of truth and in a show that is about truth and lies. That's very important. And having that slideshow at the end where it's just nothing but facts where they say, here's where mm. we took some dramatic license so that you know what to, to look for. And I, I think that's okay. 
in storytelling. Yeah, you know? as I understand it, this is probably this fifth, fifth episode is the most dramatically sort of licensed episode in the sense yes, that... Yes, because Lagasov was never actually in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah, that, that's all just... But I, I think it's so effective because it explains everything so well. I don't well. want a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> I want him. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it works. It works. Um, so, no, uh, fantastic. You, you just said that maybe the, the five best hours of television you've ever seen. So that means it's better than the hit television show Star Trek? Any of the ones? <laughs> oh, boy. Really putting my feet to the fire now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i want to say i think this is there's no code of honor in chernobyl so (laughs) i think i think those tv shows i rank higher than chernobyl um but it's it's, well it's so clean you know it's just five yeah five episodes it's a mini series i think it it stands alone to me it it's actually more like many series to me are more comparable to uh, obviously other mini series but probably more so in movies because they are so short and self-contained uh for for me there's like something about like spending years with a character and then you know they they get to if they stick the landing after five or six seasons it's like it's there's nothing better than it it feels so good um and so it's a different beast i'm not comparing them because i don't think they're comparable um yeah but i just wanted to pick on you because you said it was the best tv you'd ever seen and you always say how star trek's the best well, thing not ever. tv it's hbo <laughs> we are not sponsored by hbo i just want to point that out i mean <laughs> that was their slogan for a long time i don't know if it still is mm. but <laughs> yeah i i really do i it uh, 10 out of 10. I, I I really think this is great. And I'm glad you said something about the writer, like being locked down for a future project. I think they should lock down the writer, the, the director, the, the person who does the music, like lock everybody down, whatever they want to do, green light it. <laughs> Cause <laughs> I mean, it is, it is fantastic. What ha- I want what happened to big little lies, which was a mini series that was supposed to be one, just one miniseries. I want them to win all the Emmys, and then HBO goes, you know what? Let's do a part two. <laughs> How did you do a Chernobyl part two? I don't care. I want it. Whatever they want to do. Surely it becomes more of a, a an anthology where it's a different, like, real disaster each each Perfect. series. I'll watch it. And is it, is it all always Jared Harris? <laughs> oh please. Yeah, same cast, yeah. just different parts. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'll watch True Detective season four if it's Jared Harris and Skellen Skarsgård as the detectives. <laughs> yes, please. I'll do it. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't get past episode one of season three, and season two is dreadful, but I'll watch season four if it's those two. <laughs> I actually haven't watched any of them, but they're on my list. I'll watch them. I like Mahershala Ali a lot, and he was in the last one, so I'll probably check him out. <laughs> I'll be, I'll, on, I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't put it at the top of your list. All right. Season one I have to watch, I know. Season, season one is good, although I do find it overrated. Um, I think the rating season one's actually pretty just kind of ropey. It just gets away with it because of the actors and the direction. Yeah. And This show is underrated. Like, not enough people are watching Chernobyl. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I, I talk to people all the time who are big Game of Thrones fans and stuff. I'm like, so have you watched Chernobyl? No. What do you mean, no? <laughs> I'm trying to spread the word, you know? Nobody's watching it. 
This is going to win tons of awards. They'll have a nice Blu-ray release. That you know they'll they'll treat this. Give proper. me an extended edition HBO. I want <laughs> it. I know you have deleted scenes. <laughs> I'll buy it. All right. Well, um, yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't get deleted scenes of the dogs being like buried alive. I know. I know. I realize what I'm what I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just hope you realize. Yes, that's good. Um, but yeah, no. This 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 has been a fantastic show. Um, and I hope uh, the next mini series from this this creative team is 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 coming soon because clearly yeah. they know what they're doing. Uh, which is actually really weird because I looked up uh, Craig Mazin, the writer who, of course, has been on the podcast and has written the whole show, done all the research. I looked up his, uh, his uh, filmography earlier today. That man has made a lot of shit. <laughs> he, the director, he, too. I looked up the uh, the director, and it's like all music videos, and then Chernobyl. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, music videos to direction of like TV and movies isn't that weird. Like, that, that does happen. Like, yeah, but he's... I don't know if any of them are, like, masterpieces like this. Uh, I mean, David Fincher, I think, started off in music videos. Mm. So I mean, it does happen, but um, and then did Alien Three, yeah, yeah and then did Alien Three, uh, which may have been better had the studio not messed with them so much. But you know, we'll see. I agree. I wish I could see that that movie. I want to see the movie he wanted to make. But uh, yeah, so Craig Mazin, uh, you know, rocked at least two of the scary movies, and he was one of the writers on Rocket Man from 1997, which is a comedy. Another masterpiece. <laughs> I, I've not seen it since I was a kid, and I liked oh, it when I was a kid. Up. It holds up so well. Let I, me get my my copy of the Blu-ray. I don't think it. <laughs> I don't think it does. I'm going. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it does not hold up. Are you kidding? He farts in a spacesuit and it blows up. <laughs> Love watching Harley Williams waddle around on Mars with William Statler just so pissed off in front of him. Did you just say Sattler? Sadler. I'm not adding an extra T. <laughs> it sounded like it. Don't you start. It sounded like <laughs> it. Rod Sterling. <laughs> All hey, right. you haven't corrected me. We've done like 15 episodes of Twilight Zone plus the new five more of the new ones, and you didn't correct me until the last one. So. Because uh, I couldn't take it anymore. So I am the product of. A failed system is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Don't blame me. You somehow turned I, me into yeah, the Soviet uh, Union and you turned into Dyatlov somehow. I, I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but um, yeah, that's, that's hey, Chernobyl. I was on the toilet the whole time, all right? <laughs> it's not my fault. Uh, so that, that's Chernobyl. That uh, was fantastic. Uh, I like the finale. Uh, arguably maybe the best episode which is insane because like i was worried early on that it might lose steam as it goes on because like all the like the t all the big like you know disaster movie tension was at the start but honestly no, no. It, it it did it kept it fresh in interesting ways it, it kept tension it kept drama um no, and we got a lot great. of naked men in it <laughs> a little something for the ladies <laughs> How many, how many, how many members of the female audience do you think were excited by all the naked miners? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
You know what's actually really great about that character, mm-hmm. other than he was probably the best character in the show, is the, when you first meet him, he makes a joke about the Soviet Union. He's like, what, what makes a ton of smoke and a ton of noise and uh, cuts an apple into three pieces? A Soviet machine designed to cut an apple into four pieces. And you know what? It's kind of true because that is he's he's making a joke about how they make cheap machines, <laughs> and that turned out to be the flaw of the uh, the reactor was that they were just too cheap. <laughs> yeah. So he was the best character of the show and a brilliant man. Well, that just goes goes along with everything they said about the miners is that they they're observant, they see things, they understand things mm-hmm. better than maybe you think they would. So. There you go. Um, they they are in many ways the Cordelia of Chernobyl. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tolerate that. No, 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 no. no. Cordelia on the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer would often like notice things and point things out in her own kind of like dumb teenage way. But she'd be very honest and blunt about things, and she'd actually point out like character flaws that make them uncomfortable. Like, in many ways, she is. <laughs> She was the miner. She was the miner. The miner of, of Buffy the Vampire. Yes. <laughs> I'm standing by it. I'm standing by my comparison. Um, well, you got yours in. Yeah. So. Now mm-hmm. we can end the show. Now we can end the show. Uh, that has been Chernobyl episode five. Uh, thank you for for watching this this rambles and shambles of, of uh, discussion. Yeah, and before we go, before we plug everything and try and sell your Patreon and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's worth mentioning that we, we do have another HBO show starting next week. You, in fact, Tara mentioned it uh, a little bit ago. Uh, Big Little Lies Season 2 is starting, and it's actually going to be me and Tara who are reviewing that as well. So if you want reviews of that on a weekly basis, um, and specifically if you liked us two as opposed to me and Connor, because every, everyone in the comments was so happy Connor was gone. <laughs> everyone was so happy. <laughs> then you can come back and uh, hear us talking about that uh, weekly uh, start. Although Tara will be missing episode 2. Uh, that's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll be doing episode two on my own, but uh, Tara will be there for the rest of the episodes. Uh, start with episode one. I'll next still week. watch it. <laughs> I'd hope so because I'll, I'll be here for the review. Yeah. Otherwise, episode three review is going to be kind of weird. Like, well, nothing makes sense. Why, why did this Should happen? Be an here? interesting perspective. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, when did Madeline get like a, a third eyeball? When did that happen? She must have been hanging out in Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you sandwiched it back in that's great yeah. that's great I love it I love Blinky <laughs> uh, so let us know what you thought of the Chernobyl uh, finale and the series as a whole in the comments uh, obviously you can you can uh, rate us on your, your iTunes your or Apple podcast app because they're, they're changing it it's not going to be iTunes for much longer they're, they're getting rid of iTunes it's going to be Apple podcast or something stupid uh, like I'm that. a Google girl Um. so so rate is rate is on there and all that jazz. Um, if you want to support us financially, I think Tara can fill you in and how 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 you do that. <laughs> well, if you like what we do, you liked our reviews of Chernobyl, you can uh, check out our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash TV. You can donate as little as a dollar per month. And with that dollar, you get bonus episodes for other shows we do, such as Screams After Midnight or The Ace, The Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is our sci-fi movie podcast that Peter mentioned earlier. You get um, exclusive episodes, and you get episodes a week early. So, yeah, check it out. Very good. Very good. Um, and, yeah, you should go to your Patreon and sign up for a dollar. Do you know why? Because it's mm. cheaper than just about any other form of entertainment. <laughs> <laughs>
so <laughs> it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, it's the the graphite rods. Yes, yes. Of entertainment. But <laughs> we won't go nuclear. Um, not yet. Not yet. I mean, I don't know. If Zack Snyder gets an old DC movie, I might go nuclear. <laughs> I'm not going to promise <laughs> that. Um, so that is that has been Chernobyl. So thank you once again for watching or listening. Uh, we do appreciate it. Uh, keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla? Where did the cost of lies? Thank you.